Introducing Minor Wisdom Quintet. So this week on the podcast is my attempt to branch outside of Texas and uh, do that with Greg Graham. And Greg is uh, a product of Texas. He's a product of Fort Ben ISD, a product of Dulles High School, graduated there in the 90s. So he isn't exactly necessarily the the best representation of a non-Texas guest, but he's been out of Texas for many years now. He also graduated from Sam Houston State, Eat'em Up Cats, and uh, has been very successful on Broadway as a dance captain, a choreographer, a swing. He'll tell some stories uh, about that in this interview. Uh, there is a section of the interview that I kind of chime in because his Wi-Fi dropped out, so I talk about that, uh, and it's a good 30-second portion, which kind of sucked because he was telling a really good story, but uh, I don't know what proper protocol is necessarily. Do I stop him and say, let's take that back, rewind that? But he's doing me a favor by coming on here in a time when performing is not necessarily the hotbed of the market right now. So uh, he's doing me a huge favor, and I really appreciated Greg coming on. I could have talked to him for hours, but again, people don't listen to podcasts that are hours and hours long um, unless it's about like murder mysteries and stuff because those are those are pretty maybe i'm missing maybe i should be doing that kind of stuff but murder mystery theater podcasts that's even more niche than what i'm already putting out there so i don't think i'm going to try that anyway i hope everybody enjoyed their july 4th as of this recording i have not watched hamilton on disney plus nor have i ever seen the show so i know nothing about it other than i do know the music i've heard the music how do you as a high school theater teacher there's really no possible way not to hear the music but i have heard the music uh so i i know what the show's about also i posted on facebook no spoilers but and then it turned into a joke thanks everybody uh you act like all i ever do is joke around <laughs> Anyway, so it is uh, It is something that I haven't watched yet. We're debating if we're going to let our oldest watch it. She's almost eight, and I've seen on Facebook some people post that their children are indeed watching Hamilton. And I know this is the PG-13 version, but I really don't even like my kids saying crap or damn. So, well, we'll see. We may watch it with her. We may not. But eventually we'll watch it, and uh, I'll report back maybe. Hope everybody, again, is enjoying their holiday. It's a unique holiday weekend because some of you are not in the mood to celebrate our country, but that's okay, and I don't blame you. So that's that. Uh, professional development is starting for some people in in like their districts. I hope everybody's district is figuring out what they are going to be doing next year, uh, and at least in the fall, if not the spring as well. I know there are already plans of doing some shows online and producing that content for people live. As long as it's not an adaptation or copyright protected, then I think you're okay. But I'm not a lawyer and I'm not that smart. So don't trust me. Anyway, enough about me. Let's get to Mr. Greg Graham. Look him up online. Uh, He's got some great stories on here about some shows that he's done but, you know, if you, you want to see all the credits this guy has to his name, please look him up. And 
the great thing, like Greg Graham, the name Greg Graham, kind of probably not very unique, I'm assuming. No offense, Greg. So if you look up Greg Graham, his name is still towards the top, if not the top. So that's got to tell you something, right? When you're in the Google world, if you look up a name that's kind of generic and you're number one, number two, so that's pretty cool. So enjoy Greg Graham's interview. Uh, give me some feedback how you feel about branching out to other people outside of the Texas educators, theater educator world, because that's super niche, right? All right. Well, enjoy. Hope everybody a good July 4th. Enough of me blabbing. I'm blabbing about blabbing. Goodbye. Yeah. So um, I, I was a big fan of Elvis Presley when I was a little kid. Um, and my mom had um, a few Elvis records that I would, when I was young, I would wake up and, you know, in the morning before the house got up, before my mom and dad got up. And I used to go play those records. And that's kind of where I developed uh, a love of music. Um, and I wasn't, you know, a singer then. I just liked Elvis music. And so um, that sort of, um, you know, stayed with me until I was probably in junior high and I started singing in the choir and started to uh, get a real um, desire to want to perform. Um, and, and I, you know, of course, when we're young like that, you, you get a taste of being on stage in front of a, an audience, whether it's kids or adults or whatever that may be. And you, you, you feel that power and it's, it's a, it was um, something that, that, you know, I got, uh, early on and I liked it quite a bit. And, um, you know, I, I sort of then went into, so I started singing as a kid and then um, I started uh, doing a lot of things. I played soccer, I was, a, I was into athletics and I, I used to uh, be on the FFA in high school. And um, then uh, a buddy of mine, I, I hadn't sung uh, after a couple of years after being in high school, my freshman and sophomore year, and a buddy of mine knew I was in the choir when I was in junior high. And he said, oh, you should come and be a part of the uh, show choir that we have. You know, it's a lot of fun. Lots of different kinds of people are in it. It's not just, you know, um, a choir people that are in it. So I went and auditioned and I met uh, Judy Childress. I don't know if you know who that is, but she was my, my choir teacher in high school. And she had a huge effect on me as a performer. She's the one who basically handed a microphone to me one day after school and made me sing into you know a microphone and a speaker and that was a very powerful moment for me to hear my voice like that and to realize oh i actually not only can i sing i'm actually i like the way that sounds and that gave me a lot of uh, confidence at that same time i had a, a good friend of mine who was a dancer um and she uh I forget how it really happened, but they were going to do guys and dolls at Dulles High School. This was in 93. And she, oh, well, she was in the show choir with me. And she said, well, you should definitely come and audition for the, the, the show. <clears throat> and so there was a dance audition. And there was a gentleman, his name was Michael Tapley, who was a good friend of Judy Childress. And Michael came and choreographed the show. And I went in and danced and, and got in the show, you know, it was, it's, of course at that time it's, it's big in your head, you know, you, you get this, this big thing and you, you land a spot in the school musical. And I, 
And Jennifer came up to me who actually teaches at the dan local dance studio that I'm going to tell you about um, where I took. She said, you really should come and take dance lessons at the studio. And, um, you know, being from Texas, a young boy from Texas, who's an athlete who raises, you know, chickens and hogs and, and who's also uh, in the show choir. I did all of it. I thought, well, you, you know, I, I might as well add one more thing. And I had a, and I was really impressed with Michael Tapley. So here's the portion where his internet or maybe even my internet dropped out. Thank you, Xfinity for being so supportive of this podcast and letting the internet drop out for 30 seconds. Small world, Michael Tapley was my first high school musical director. So he tells a, a little bit about that, uh, his own experience with Michael Tapley, and then the audio came back. You learn to dance if this is what you're gonna do, if this is what you like. And so I did, I started taking dance lessons when I was, um, I think it was my sophomore year maybe going into my junior year, I can't remember, but I started out, I went down and it was where this, it was a studio where my sister took my younger sister. And I told my, my mom and dad that, <clears throat> that that's what I wanted to do. And at that time, um, you know, we were middle-class family and didn't have a lot of extra money because they had three kids. So I went down to the studio and I spoke to the studio manager and she said, well, why don't you come and take, two or three lessons from me. I'm interested in having you because you're a boy and, <laughs> yeah. um, and I would like that in my studio, but why don't you come and take a couple private lessons from me and we'll see if you like it. And they were on the house. So I did. And, um, and I loved it. And I, and, and the reason I loved it is because it was so challenging. It was very, very difficult being, especially being an athlete, trying to learn a different, um, just a different, a different art form and something that was so, you know, had such a, uh, that was so similar to sports, but that was so different. The discipline was so different and that was a challenge to me. And, and so I kept at it and then, um, she, uh, you know, I, I, I graduated from Dulles and uh, I kept taking dance lessons. I kept singing and I went to Sam Houston. Um, I got a scholarship to go there. Um, and during that time, I, uh, I had another friend at Sam Houston who was an, also a dancer. And she said, you really should audition for the Galveston Island outdoor musicals, which mm -hmm. was this big thing back in the nineties. And so I did, it was after my freshman year at Sam Houston. And then I went, um, down that summer, I got a spot. And they did three musicals. They did Brigadoon, King and I, and West Side Story. And that was my first professional gig, I guess you could say. It was $180 a week. Yep. Um, and I just thought, I can't even believe they're paying me to do this, you know. Um, and I was, I knew then, I knew that summer that this is what I was doing. And this is what I was supposed to do for my career. I was going to be in live entertainment. Um. <clears throat> And I, and I finished my degree at Sam Houston. I did take a, a semester off um, because I, every summer between each school year, I would go work somewhere. I always made sure every single summer that I had a job in the professional the theater industry. Um, and that was important to me because I, for some reason, knew that I needed to start networking when I was, uh, before I got out of school so that I could hit the ground running. 
and um, and I learned a lot. I learned a whole lot doing those summer stocks. Um, that was really where I I would say you know I learned a lot about my talent and what I was capable of doing and honing that at school. But really, learning you know the, there's a whole other part of this, which is the business side of it. And that is the only way to really learn about that is to go do it somewhere. And so my senior year, um, there was a, a program called the Broadway Theater Project that was helmed by Anne Reinking, which was a, a student of, of Bob Fosse's and a dancer of Bob Fosse's. And it was supported by a lot of her friends, Wynne Verdon, who was also Bob's ex-wife. Um, and well, wife, I guess they never really, they never divorced, but, um, and they, at that school happened every summer, they would invite all of these celebrity teachers to come down and teach Gregory Hines and Roy Scheider and Gwen Verdon and Anne Reiking. Just, a, it was just a, a, a fantastic place to go, one, to go meet people in the industry, but two, to go train with other people. So I auditioned for that and I got in and there was a $3,000 fee to go take there, um, which was money that I, you know, I didn't have at yeah. all. <clears throat> and so um, I, I went in on audition and they said, you know, we'd like to accept you. We want you to come to this. Um, can, can you, there's a $100 uh, audition fee, which I guess covered the cost of, you know, them traveling around. And I said, I just, that's, I, I, I'm a broke college student. I have no money. I, you know, I'm, I'm asking for money from my aunt to just pay gas to get down here. So uh, anyway, they said, don't worry about it. And, and they gave me a scholarship to go. And I met Anne and I was one of the older, older folks to take uh, the program when I was down there. And when the program was up at, after the end of the three weeks, I, I approached her and said, I'm coming to New York. If you're ever teaching, I'm moving to New York. If you're ever teaching in the school or if you have an audition, I'd love to come in for you um, because I've enjoyed my time here and I enjoy, you know, what you, you offer. And she said, um, that's great. Um, I look forward to seeing you there and please come take class if I'm ever teaching or if you ever see at that time, Fosse was, had just opened on Broadway. So I moved up there. I finished school and moved up there in August of 1999. And um, I was very lucky, but after, after being there for, I think it was two or three weeks, um, I was living in Queens with some friends, um, didn't have a job yet. Um, I had about $3,000 to my name. Um, and that went quickly, as you know, yeah. in New York City. And I got a phone call from um, Stuart Howard, who was the casting director for Fosse on Broadway. And they said, um, we'd like you to, um, we have a call for Fosse that's coming up in a couple of weeks. We'd like you to come in. And uh, is there any way you can get to New York? They, Anne, I suppose, Anne Gwen, um, probably sent my information to them and they thought that I was still in Texas. And they said, oh, you're already here. And they, it, was an, it was an emergency, emergency spot to fill. Um, and they said, you're already here. And they, they said, you know what, L let us get back to you. It's very possible we could bring you into the theater and have you sing for the musical director. And I think what they were doing was basically saying, if, you know, if he can't sing, then we're not gonna go down this path. 
Um, and I was actually on my way to the Salvation Army to go get a couch because they I, I needed a cheap couch for my apartment. And I was walking by the theater, nonetheless, as they called me. And I said, look, I'm, I, I, I can be at the theater today if you need me to be there. And so they called me back. They said, yes, bring your, bring your book, come down to the theater, and you, you can sing for the musical director. So I walk into the theater, the Broadhurst Theater, um, and I meet the musical director at the stage door. And he walks me through the house. On the other side of the house is a piano sitting kind of in the little vomitorium, you know, and, um, and I sang for him. And that was it. I sang two songs and I walked out of the theater and he said, you'll be hearing from us. Because Anne, of course, and Gwen had been, they had already vouched for my, me as a dancer and a, as a performer. And, and the, the next day I, re, I got a phone call from the casting and um, they hired me. Wow. And I was, I, let's see, I was 23. Um, it was, I mean, it changed my life instantly, obviously, yeah. you know, to move to that, that city and, and get a job on Broadway. It, it was, um, I mean, it was certainly luck, but I suppose there was a lot of preparation and timing that went in, that were involved. And that, that started a whole new, a whole other journey, yeah. you know, for me, of course. Um, but that's kind of how I got my start. What uh, do you remember? What songs you sang? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yes, I the first song he said, "Why don't you sing anything from your book?" And I thought, okay, well, this is something I know really well, and it, I am a tenor, and it shows off my voice. And I sang "On the Street Where You Live," okay, um, which was the wrong song to sing for Fosse <laughs> on Broadway, yeah. which had, was loaded with you know uh, standard classic musical theater you know, legit stuff and, and rock and roll really. Yeah. So I said, oh, Patrick Brady was a musical director and he said, what are you going to sing? And I said, on the street where you live. And he, he sort of looked at me like, all right, come on, let's go. And he, and he sat down at the piano and he started playing and I sang and he was like, that's great. He said, do you have anything else? What else do you have in your book? <clears throat> and I have a few other things. And at that time, the life, uh, the life, which was a, a, you know, a different story, but had a little more, kind of rock and roll and, yeah. and R&B jazz. And so I sang uh, Use What You Got, which was at that time, which was not a a song that was sung a lot. It was fairly new. Now it's it was used, It you know, it was much like um, All I Need Is The Girl, which, yeah. you know, is something you just don't sing when you go into an audition, really, because <laughs> it's sung all the time, unless people request it. And um, yeah, I used that song a fair amount. I, re I, I used that song for... When I did Chicago, I got that gig with that song, and I also used that for Hairspray. Okay. So speaking of Hairspray, uh, it seems to be kind of one of your calling cards because uh, it looks like you've done a lot with that show after the fact, after doing it on Broadway. You came to Sam, came to Sam Houston and did it. Uh, you did it on a on a boat, uh, the Royal Caribbean, if, if, right and correct? Uh, oh, shit. Yeah. So is that kind of, is there a reason that it's, that that's become kind of your show or is it just coincidence yeah, or? I mean, <clears throat> yes, it's a great question. Um, I've done it a lot um, <laughs> and it was, well, it was the first, so, so my, my road, my sort of journey with that show, I did a workshop for Jerry Mitchell. Um, this was in 2002 just after 9-11 it was called never gonna dance which ended up going to broadway and flopped 
Um, um, and it was during that workshop that he asked me if I was interested in, uh, in doing hairspray. And at that time, hairspray was just a workshop. And um, they were going to take, they were going to do the show, rehearse the show and take it out of town to Seattle and then bring it back to New York. And he asked me if I would be a dance captain for the show. Um, actually, he asked me, would you be interested in doing the show? He said, I'll, I'll put you in the show or, or you, can, you can be my dance captain. And, and if you're going to be the dance captain, then you need to swing the show so that you can sort of act as my eyes after you know, the show is up and running. Um, so I swung the show. I decided I would take the job as a swing and as the dance captain so that I could work more with Jerry. And it was really a seed that I wanted to plant so that there was longevity to it. And um, it ended up paying dividends. And it became, it really became an annuity of mine because it has, it's, you know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's I've been a part of Hairspray for now for 19 years. Yeah. Uh, in many different facets um from the broadway version i worked on that um and then went into the show for a short time after i left and then came back to it and then i set the national company and then there was a south african company and i've done it regionally many times um and then just finished up a couple years ago doing airspray live which you know went went okay it was a it was a better experience yeah. than i think it was in the, in the reviews in the paper and now, of course, Royal Caribbean. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it the, I think I've stayed as closely as I have with it because I was a part of the creation of it. Yeah. And and I didn't, of course, I didn't write the music or, or create the choreography per se, and and I wasn't the director. But being being a part of that that process was was so valuable to me. And, you know, I watched music get rewritten and I watched lines from the show get rewritten. And even to this day, you know, I'll hear somebody say a line and I'll you know, give them a story of this is what that line used to be. And yeah. they decided to cut that because there wasn't a laugh here or because it was too serious. And, um, you know, so I, I love being a part of that process. And I love sharing that with people, that that, that knowledge of people, because because it has become such a staple in the musical theater um, you know, uh, world. Um, and it's, and it's course, very relevant now too. It, and, yeah. and, and very relevant now yeah. it was very relevant. Then it will, will continue to be yeah. relevant. You know, I think because it, it is something that one, it's a great show. It's yeah. fun to watch, but two, there, there's, there's so much meaning behind it and it, and it's, it's a political piece obviously yeah. right now. And if Jerry, you know, he, he used to always say, if you can, you know, you can, he would always say, you can change the world if you change your mind. And that's our responsibility with this show. If yeah. you can, if you can teach and educate your audience while entertaining them at the same time, then, then we've done our jobs, um, as, as artists. Is there, um, and I, that's what I try and do with it. Is there something in that you had to change that you had a tough time changing in the hairspray live uh version does that make sense um in regards to the material itself yeah in regards or, to the material because it became uh now it became a for lack of better words a tv show an on-screen show uh mm -hmm. and and it was kind of a traditional or staple that 
was in the stage version that you yeah. ended up having to kind of adjust or change because it's now, well, you're doing it yeah. for a camera. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I, I, I mean, obviously these live versions, these, uh, of, of these shows, they haven't, they haven't really worked. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know that anybody really knows why. I mean, I think there are ways for them to work, but I think, but it just hasn't really caught on. Um, and I think we've seen the end of them really, but I, you know, one, one thing is as incredible as it is, the one thing with hairspray is that hairspray is not a hairspray is about Tracy hairspray is about her story and how, and seaweed and, and her journey with him and with Motormouth and how, and how she learns to help people and how she learns to change people's minds to make her world a better place. Um, and, and so I think when, with these live versions, when you have the celebrities, it becomes more about that. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, and, and so now you have the, the sort of the, 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 the major factor on it is no longer about the story right. and it's no longer about the character. It's about the sort of wow factor of doing something live, which is 100% live, um, doing it um, with the celebrity types, which is fantastic. It's right. awesome to, to, to hear Kristen Chenowitz sing this music or to hear, um, you know, Jennifer Hudson sing, sing, I know where I've been. Uh, it, it's incredible, right. but it does, I think it does take away from the material itself and it, and it just becomes a kind of a, a you know, a fad, a pop really. show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I want to switch things up off a of hairspray a little bit. You, you know, I, uh, had mentioned to to you to mention inspirations and you kind of already did by mentioning Judy Childress and as a Dulles you know somebody that spent seven years there as an educator I heard her name constantly uh, mm -hmm. because of the show choir because it was this kind of famous almost uh, had a, a life of its own show um, and even when you were there uh, I know Angela Hayes was there for part of that time part of the time uh that, that you were, at least, or part of the time that you were, yeah, I guess towards the end yeah. of your time there, yeah, right? Yeah, she was, a, I want to say she was a, like, a, uh, I don't know if she was a teacher's assistant when I was there, yeah. but she had just gotten done with school. Right. Um, well, so, she, and she created the, the, the spectacle of the doll show. And so yeah. for a while, for yeah. almost a decade, they had both of those running hand in hand and yeah. a pretty decent theater department. Uh, Brad Cummins was there, I know, at the at part of that time. Um, it, the, the whole arts program while I was there, I mean, I didn't know this at that time, yeah. looking back, the, the teachers we had were, and, and the, the department they had was, was incredible. Yeah. I mean, the talent that was coming out of the, 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 even the band and, you know, it was, um, yeah, they, they were, they were turning out some, some, some good artists. Yeah. So, but, but Judy, would you say Judy was kind of your main inspiration, at least to kind of break you through that, that entertainment world? Yeah, she was, she was really special. Um, she was so passionate and, and that was so infectious. Um, and she, she also, she, she just thought 
differently. I mean, she, she, you know, she was always, <laughs> she was always on. She was such a huge personality. Yeah. Um, and that was infectious. And, and she had, she had just wonderful confidence in herself and her abilities. First of all, she was a great artist herself. She was an incredible pianist, a great teacher, a great, you know, she was just so inspiring to people. And that's how she taught. Um, you know, she could teach you music. She could teach you how to sight read. She could teach you all of the stuff, you know, the technique. But more than anything, she was just, she was, she was such a great leader for young minds who were nervous about doing, um, you know, this sort of art form. And so she nurtured that so well. And she just, she made you feel like you could conquer the world doing what you were doing. And I know that's so cliche to say, but her passion, when she saw something in you, she went right after it. Yeah. And it's something that I think I actually do as well. You know, um, when I see somebody who's got something special and maybe if that talent isn't honed or if that technique isn't, their technique isn't there yet, if that, if that fire is in them, you know, I, I try and go get it. And that's something that, you know, she would look at you in the eye and, and just be, she would be inspired herself yeah. when, when she saw something like that in someone and it was infectious. Um, and she, you know, she would always tell us uh, to be conscious of um, something that was happening, something that was, something that was, uh, you know, if you were, a, if you, if you were a singer and you sang, she would say, no, mm -hmm. you need to, you need to, uh, recognize this. Mm -hmm. This is really important that you're aware of what's happening right now. Um, you know, and sometimes, you know, students would get really, uh, uh, not offended, but they would be standoffish because of how, how aggressive she was and how much she wanted you to realize there was something in you right. that, that uh, you could tap into if you wanted to. And if you didn't, she understood that too. Are there people from, from your time uh, in high school, are there, are there people now that have kind of gone a, on a similar path as you that have been successful entertainers and in the industry, so to speak? Uh, from high school? Yeah. That you still keep in touch with, maybe even right. You know, I'm sure there have been. <laughs> <laughs> have you Have you made it to a reunion? I have made it. You know, I went actually this last year. We okay. did a little class reunion in Texas, yeah. or in, of course in Texas, and in uh, at the what's the uh, the mall over there at, at, at First um, Colony. 69 and, and highway six. Yeah. First colony mall. Yeah, yeah. We did a little sort of quick high school reunion. That's the first reunion I've, I've well, like um, in the food court or something where <laughs> it was the restaurant over there. I forget okay. what, what it was. Okay. And, um, of course my sister, you know, she lives out there. So yeah. I went and I thought, Oh, well, I can go see her and go see my niece and then I'll also go see everybody. And it was, it was, it was interesting to see everybody. It certainly was. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, there's one guy that his name was Kirk Jackson, who was an actor. He was also in the varsity singers. He was a year ahead of me. Um, he's been doing a lot with, um, oh, what is that? What is that? Um, 
gosh, I forget what the program is called. Yeah. It's, uh, they do rescue like a lot of um, like, you know, when Katrina okay. uh, happened, like they go and help uh, people. FEMA? You're talking about FEMA? FEMA, or, no. Okay. It's a, uh, anyway, the, the, you know, ca- there's, the Cajun there's Army. <laughs> What's that? The Cajun yeah, Army. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know anybody who I can't think of any. Uh, this is horrible. Yeah. I can't think of anybody offhand. That's who's, all right. I put you on. I put you. I put you on the spot for that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, and I was. I was going to say there are a couple things that you and I have in common. One is we both played soccer, uh, and so I, yeah. I have a question about that. The other thing is the Galveston summer musicals. Yeah. Uh, so that was also my. F- first professional quote-unquote gig as well but it was as a carpenter and i remember working in that do you remember the pepsi can that was the scene shop that was their that was their scene shop it was a a half painted pepsi can (laughs) yeah i remember driving down there one one year i don't know that it was like that when i was there okay so i got painted i remember driving down there one year going oh my gosh look at yeah yeah so they going down there it's it's incredible but yeah i remember getting paid I think I got paid a hundred dollars for the summer and same with you. Yeah. I thought, wow, man, yeah. this is, I'm, I, you know, I'm just like Scrooge McDuck just rolling in the cash right now. Just <laughs> Money. So, so the soccer thing, uh, I was not on, on the pitch as you would say as much as I should have been. Cause I was a goalie. So I, I didn't yeah. have, uh, probably the foot skills that you had. Uh, I could go side to side, <laughs> but not, <laughs> not front to back, but, do you think that some, <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> just stretch out. Do you think that some of that uh, athleticism or that footwork translated to maybe your success as a as a dancer and then ultimately as a choreographer? Um, ap- yes, uh, yes, absolutely, in two ways. One, uh, and in one way, it, I think it actually hurt me being an athlete, but um, it's not that bad. I, but yeah, you know, coordination is something mm-hmm. I've always considered myself fairly coordinated. Um, and, and I think that's one reason that I, um, actually, uh, fell in love with dancing so much is because it it made me tap back into something to have to learn to be coordinated. Um, because it's such a, it's such a different, um, mindset dancing, you know, compared to athlete, being an athlete, um, you know, being an athlete, you sort of. I guess there, there are skills that you learn, but, you know, being an athlete, I, you, a lot of athletes are natural athletes. You know, you just go because you do, because you're coached that way. Um, and, and dancing, you know, you have to start at square one when you go into a dance studio and you stand at a bar and you, you know, you bend, you stand in first position and you bend your legs. You know, that's how every dancer starts a dance class, whether you're five years old or you're 35 years old you start a dance class the same way. Yeah. And, and so I think just the coordination aspect as an athlete helped me, uh, as a dancer, but have to relearn, you know, in, uh, that, that art form in a different way. Um, I think also as a choreographer, uh, I, I think I approach the room more as a coach, right? than I do as a choreographer, maybe a stereotype of a choreographer would. Um, I think I do that as a director as well. I think I do that as an educator <clears throat> um, because I've, there were, you know, we've also, obviously if you were an athlete, you I'm sure you've had coaches who were inspiring to you and the way their, you know, their methods of, of getting something out of you were, uh, I had that and, um, 
and I think I think that that's one way I've you know those two translate. Yeah. Um, I think the the one the one thing that hurt me being an athlete then becoming a dancer was um, my lack of flexibility. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're when you're an athlete, your your muscles do different things. You need them to do different things, and I was less flexible than I wanted to be later even though i was 16 17 when i started dancing um i didn't have the flexibility that i could have had when i was a younger kid where your your muscles and your joints are still you know um, valuable and able to do that right um yeah what is uh uh something from your your time on uh broadway and and things like that have you ever approached a situation and you were intimidated by who you were about to meet or work with? Oh, um, <laughs> cause you've worked with some, some big names, uh, and eventually I guess you kind of get sort of uh, a callus over you about, okay, I'm just walking in. I'm just as the same as this other person. And, uh, yeah. th- they might have more credits to their name or bigger credits to their name, maybe not more, but, uh, uh, and eventually you just look at them as people, but has there ever been that one person that you're like, Oh man, this is actually I'm a little nervous about this one. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, there've been, a, to be honest, there've been a lot of them there, there, uh, you know, even, even like working on hairspray live more recently, uh, um, Martin short. Yeah. Um, I worked really closely with him uh, because he came in, he was doing something else when we were shooting it or when we were rehearsing it. Um, and so oftentimes I would have, I was Martin's, um, stand in, in rehearsals one, because I knew it and Harvey needed somebody to rehearse with. And so did the, um, so did the, the, the directors and Jerry. And so when Martin, also referred to as Marty, when Marty would come in, I would have to teach him, you know, what he may have missed, mm-hmm. whether that was in the camera blocking or whether that was in the timeless to me, the, the number that they perform. Um, so, you know, even though I knew Hairspray as well as I did, and I, I worked with a lot of famous people, um, you know, it's Martin Short. Yeah. Martin's a big personality. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I think I was slightly intimidated, but also, you know, Martin gets in the room and he knows Harvey very well. And they, those two get to go in and the banter and the, you know, yeah. they're just, they're like topping each other. And I'm, you know, this, this guy in the corner going, okay, uh, let's do this next, you yeah. know, let's do this next step. <laughs> let's do the next eight count. Um, but I think it's, you know, is it intimidating? I, yeah, it's, it's intimidating, but it's also pretty, wonderful to be in a room like that with right. somebody watching somebody who's as talented as, as they are. I think, um, you know, John Lithgow is somebody, uh, I did, um, dirty rotten. Dirty Rotten's with Count, yeah. That's and, who, that's who my wife was so excited to meet by the way. <laughs> and then she saw him in Dexter anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you something. John is somebody that I, there are times where I, in where I approach things in life and I go, what would John do? Yeah. What would John say? Because first of all, we know how, how gifted he is as an yeah. actor. Um, and his, and his, you know, resume is just, it speaks for itself. It's off the charts and the range and the, the amount of years he's been so successful, but he's also, he's one of the kindest person 
kindest people that I've ever met. Um, and he's, he's super intelligent, um, Harvard grad. Um, you know, he's a, he's a great listener, um, whether in conversation with him or on the stage. Um, he, he, and he's just got a, got a great outlook on life. And it seems like he's always had that. Um, cause that's what kind of person he is. Right. And I think that's actually why he's so successful is, is he, um, it's just his approach to things. Now I'm sure he has his ways as we, we all have, you know, trying to figure things out and trying to figure the world out, but he was somebody working with him, being in the room with him or, or even being, you know, out socially with him that I, I highly respect just because of his, his very level-headedness and his calm approach to things. Um, and, and John, you know, he was one of the people that I, you know, he, he could laugh at himself, right. whether he, you know, stumbled across the stage or, uh, you know, there was, there was a day that happened something that happened in rehearsal one day, which I won't elaborate on, but that was just, he was really embarrassing for him. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, you know, just the way he got out of it was just such a, he was a class act. Um, yeah. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's certainly intimidating, but I think, um, uh, once you can kind of get over that hurdle of being around celebrities, you realize that, um, it's a great, it's a great, uh, uh, career I've chosen. Yeah. It's also a learning experience. I mean, getting to know yeah. these people. So I, I do have a small nugget. You may not even know this, but, um, in, in, you know, I've, as most people that listen to this podcast know, I do very little research for the people that I talk to, <laughs> but for you, I did, you know, I pulled up a couple of things, but one thing I noticed was when you did, when you staged uh, or directed Hairspray at, at Sam, back at Sam, um, yeah. your base, your basis was named Steve Martin and, oh. and, <laughs> and you did Hairspray live with Martin Short. So I just thought that was kind of funny because, you know, obviously the two of them have, a show and quite the history, but I, I didn't know, you probably didn't even know who your orchestra or your players were necessarily. You probably know your director, your conductor, but. Not, yeah. Not by, you mean at Sam Houston. Yeah. It's Sam, just at Sam. Yeah. 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 yeah you, I mean, you, you know, you see the guys there. Yeah. They're, they're in the pit. Those yeah. are the guys in yeah. the pit, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they do their own thing. They're their own special kind of breed anyway. Sure. But I just, I was like, that's kind of funny. I wonder if he even knows that his bass player was named oh. Steve Martin. So <laughs> of all, they were a great orchestra though. Yeah. yeah. Sam, uh, pulls out some, some pretty amazing stuff. Um, so of your, of your Broadway credits, which one are you and and you don't necessarily have to say which one you think was the best show. I don't, I don't care about that, but which one are you most proud of? Hmm. Most proud of, I, I, I mean, I, you know, I guess I would have to say um, I, I'm most proud of Fosse because that was the thing that um, started you off. Kind of thing. Yeah, it was yeah. well, and it was my at at that point up until then that was my I realized this is what I've been working for, and it's finally it is going to pay off, right. and I think it's going to be okay. Right. You know, and being able to call my my parents and my dad and tell them, Dad, I I got a I got a job. Yeah. On Broadway you know, and, and they're going to pay me this much, yeah. which was, you know, and that's the other thing, you know, a young kid who gets thrown a, a uh, salary like that, which, you know, isn't incredible, but, but 
it's it's more money than I ever thought I would make sure. in my life in this industry. And um, that's a great feeling. Um, and and but but at the same token, hairspray is also something that I'm super proud of uh, because of the amount of work I've put into it and the amount of people that I, I hope I've been able to affect and teach and, mm -hmm. and, um, uh, and I, you know, every time I do it, I learn something new about the show where I learned, I learned how to, you know, uh, apply something differently or inspire someone or, um, it's a tricky piece to do, especially, you know, in the, in the coming years, it's going to be even trickier. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it's our responsibility. That's, this is what we do and this is how we say it. And so, uh, that's, 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 that's is, our job. Is there, and I won't keep you much longer than this, but, uh, is there a, 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 a role that you had to swing into that, uh, you were more kind of nervous about doing, uh, you know, I know I've got, again, when, when I interviewed Larry Smigleski, and I won't tell the story because I think it was off the record, but he was talking about something from uh, Kiss Me Kate, uh, a, a swing incident that happened with, you know, an unexpected swing incident. And I won't name the character or anything like that, but the person had to go in, the swing had to go in and was, uh, had not planned on swinging for that role. And so was yeah. not fully prepared because uh, it wasn't really part of their plan, <laughs> if you would say, their contract. Um, yeah. is there an incident like that where you, uh, just, you were like so ready to go in as X, Y, and Z character. And then they said, well, we need you for, uh, this character over here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of that stuff. Yeah. Um, how do you get through that? I, I, like it's, I mean, that just, sorry to cut you off. It just, it amazes me that you can just literally dance right onto the stage and, and play the part. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we are in those sort of instances, we know more than we give ourselves self sure. credit for, um, whether you're an understudy or whether you're a swing or, um, you know, wh whether that's in the theater or, or something else in life, whether you're a paramedic and you have yeah. to do something else that's not, you know, I think we know more. And, and uh, a lot of times in those circumstances, instinct, you have to just trust your instinct <laughs> yeah. because what's going to happen uh, is just going to happen. Right. Right. <laughs> um, but I think there are two, there are two things that kind of spring to mind. One is actually myself and one is someone else for myself. There was, um, uh, Billy Elliot. It happened during Billy Elliot. So I was, I ended, I was the dance captain for Billy Elliot, um, ended up becoming the resident choreographer for it. Um, after I left the show, I stopped performing in the show and then became the, the resident when the resident choreographer, just to tell you quickly about that, what they do is essentially because the show is so large right. and there are so many people and there was a massive company of children in the show and there was a big company of dancers and then there's all the actors. We had a couple dance captains and a couple of resident choreographers just to keep the thing going. And um, when I think I was the resident by then, but uh, there was a there was a role in the show called Mr. Braithwaite. And then for those who don't know the live show in the movie, he's well in the live show, he's the piano player. And he sort of sits over there in the corner and he's, uh, has a bit of a drinking problem. <laughs> um, and he's the comic relief. Yeah. Um, in the scene anyway, he, so, 
So I didn't understudy the role, but I taught the role a few times. So I knew, I knew all the choreography, I knew the blocking, I knew the lines, everything, just from being around it, being yeah. you know exposed. So one day, uh, Billy Elliot, there were there there were always a lot of injuries in Billy Elliot. One reason because there was a rake stage, and two, there was it was just very uh, aggressive show to do, very right. choreographically. It was a very hard show to do. Lots of stunts and choreography. I'm at um, I'm in between shows one day, and I'm at uh, I think I was at Best Buy. I was. Uh, I think maybe I was looking at music or something. I don't know. I was buying something which was just down the street from the Imperial theater. And I get a phone call and it's the stage manager, <clears throat> Bonnie Becker. And she says, and I'm thinking, Oh, she's going to tell me who's out, you know, what I, cause I have to cut the show and I have to tell people what they're doing. Right. And he says, Hey Greg. Um, so we have a bit of an issue here. And I said, okay, well, what, you, who's out? And she said, well, so-and-so's out and so-and-so's out and, and this person's out. And those three people that she said that were out was the man who played Mr. Braithwaite <laughs> every night was his first cover and the second cover. <laughs> so you know where and this was going. Down with yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, and then the, and I said, okay, you know, and, and as, a, as a choreographer, you're thinking one of two things. Are we cutting the role or who are we going to get to do it? Um, and so, you know, you and then you you start thinking, OK, who can we call who's sitting on their couch right now who maybe <laughs> had done it somewhere who can come in? And she says, well, we, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Or you can do it. And I start thinking, OK give me five minutes. <laughs> Let me call my agent. Yeah. <laughs> give me five minutes and I'll call you back. Yeah. Um, because she knew, you know, like I don't cover it. And if I were to go on that night, there's, there's a lot of things that happen contractually, right. um, which I'm, you know, which was great because I was owed a lot of retro pay. Anyway, I call her back and I say, I'll do it. Um, Cause that was really the easiest way to do it. Right. To not, you know, there are a lot of children in the show and you don't want to affect them in a way that's going to throw their show. And, and they've seen me maybe do it in rehearsals in some aspect, you know. Right. Um, so, so I did it. So I went on and, um, and it really, he, you know, there's a scene in the show where he comes on for the first time and he comes barreling through the doors, you know, sort of bumbling, bumbling drunk, step, stumbles down the stairs and, and, um, and you know you're waiting for your cue in, fr in front, you know, in front of an 1800 seat theater, yeah. and you burst through the doors like you know it was just like a you're watching you know the Carol Burnett show, you know it's Tim Conway <laughs> coming through, <laughs> you know, and that was sort of my approach to it really. Right. Um, and and you just I didn't know what was going to happen, Blake. I, I really <laughs> I knew the lines, I knew the steps, I knew what I was supposed to do, but I didn't know really what was going to happen. And and you just go and it and it and it went great did, did went you great the other, go yeah. no go ahead go ahead was well, gonna say the the other thing that happened that i was so proud of uh when i saw it was that happened to one of the uh, ballet girls which if you know the show and the story there were also swings for the ballet girls yeah. and there was a one of the girls there's a, an older swing and a middle swing and a, and a baby swing in the middle swing 
knew four different tracks that she could cover. And we need, there was another track that we needed her to go on for track, meaning one of the roles right. in the show, one of the valley. And she said, we asked her if she would want to do it. Um, and she said, yeah, I think I can do it. Um, and she was really excited to do it, but she was really scared. And, and we, you know, kept saying, she's going to be great. And we're right here. And if you, if you need to leave the stage and come off, you can, you can do that. Or you can just go out there and have fun, just mm -hmm. like you do in rehearsals, you know, and she, she barrels onto the stage and dances onto the stage and there she goes. And we all waited in the wing. It was like a big family, you know, yeah. there were 20 or 30 crew members and, and stage managers and, and, and actors. And, and we were, you know, rooting for her. Um, and she just did so fantastic, you know, watching this little eight-year-old girl, you know, pull this out. Right. Um, but that's, you know, it's just going back to your question is, is, is have you, you know, in a situation like that where you're just thrown on, um, you just sort of let instinct, you know, take over. Because that role is a comedic role, your role, not, not the eight-year-old, <laughs> not the dancer, because that that's role was comedic, were you, were you at any point looking at your, your peers and thinking, are they going to laugh at me now? You know, not in a bad way or, you know, where they are expecting, oh my gosh, here comes Greg. Like he's, he's about to do this. Uh, and I know they're all professionals and they've all got to keep their character and all that stuff, but we're also oh, yeah. human. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so. Yeah. You see, you see each other on, you know, you, you're, you're, you're of course in the, you're in the scene as yeah. they say, yeah. being honest to the material yeah. and all of that that's what you're supposed to do. But of course, you know, the, the, as I was saying, you know, I come stumbling in and hit the ground and, and, um, I rattle off a model, little monologue about Diaghilev and the ballet Russe and how ballet became what it is. And Trent Kowalik, who was one of the original Billies who ended up winning a Tony award yeah. for the role. Um, he was on that night. Um, Trent is a really smart little actor and, you know, he's, I come out and he's facing upstage and you could just see in his eyes. Oh my God, I can't believe this is happening right now. Yeah. Like, and he had a little, you know, a little smirk to him. And, That's funny. and even Hayden who prayed, played, um, the teacher, she, you know, it was, it was something that was abnormal. This was not supposed to happen. Yeah. And, and to see me in this, you know, really ratty wig and a hat and, you know, a, a, a beer or mustache or whatever, you know, it was just, it was funny. It, it was different. <laughs> that sounds fun. Stephen Daldry came that night. He saw the show too, as well. The director. Um, that was. It was great to have him there. Uh, so I'm going to wrap up with this. Uh, I do have a lot of students that listen to this podcast. A lot of a lot of theater kids around the state. I, maybe even further. I don't know. I'd like to think that I have students from all over the world that listen to this, and it's sure. translated in hundreds of languages. But that's not the case. But do you have? sort of a, a piece of inspiration, a, a, a word of advice that you could give these kids. And, and I know your words earlier about moving to New York and you kind of, it was luck, but also hard work that got you the Fosse gig uh, that you very much without saying it talked about networking, you know, making sure you're pretty much kind to your, your neighbor and, and not burning bridges. Um, mm -hmm. Is there some piece of advice that you could give these kids that right now, especially in the time we're in, that's they're thinking, ah, you know, second guessing their career choice to go into the entertainment industry and things like that. 
knowing full well it will come back. It may not be tomorrow, but it will. Um, something that you could say to, the, to, to those people, to even teachers out there that might be thinking, might be down on themselves right now uh, in this kind of odd time. Yeah, I think so. So of course, so two things I have for, especially sure. for, for, for um, students and the younger generation coming up and wanting to go into show business. Um, you know, first and foremost, be a nice person. Just be a nice person. Um, get over yourself and be a nice person. Um, that will take you a long, long way. It will keep you learning. It will keep you realizing that you, you have a lot to learn. Um, it will keep you listening to people. Um, you know, to be a good actor, you need to be, uh, sympathetic to people and to characters and empathetic and, and, but, but be a nice person. Um, it will just pay dividends in the end. And the other thing is to do a lot of things. Just, I, I know it's a silly piece of advice, <laughs> but, but don't just be a dancer and don't just be an actor um, and, or a singer, you know, be, be a, a horseback rider and, and be a surfer. And um, if you wanna go to law school, go to law school. You can still be an actor and, be, and, and have a law degree. Um, uh, but do a lot of different things um, because that's how I think that that really affects you as an artist, um, whether you're a painter or whether you're an actor or, or a singer. Um, you know, you're, these roles that you play, whether they're in live theater or on camera, you know, these are the, you rarely play a role on stage that is an actor on stage or a dancer on stage. You play farmers and you play, you know, businessmen and women and you, and you play presidents and you play, um, you know, we need to know, you need to know who those people are. So do everything that you can get your hands on. Teach yourself different crafts. Um, I think it's it's one thing that's really helped me uh, in this business. But you know, there there may be one day, and there was for me even after 20 years in in professional theater, where I, you know, just thought I need to do something else now. I, I need to do it in a different way. You know, I'm not a dancer anymore. I'm I'm not. I don't want to perform anymore. I want to create it. Um, and then I now I'm in casting. Um, you know, it, 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 you will do other things in your life. And so you need to, it's great that you want to be, uh, you know, an artist and a performer, but there will come a time where that will change. Um, and so you need to have, uh, you need to be good at other things. Right. Um, and there are other, you know, there are so many different paths in showbiz, um, whether you are an educator or whether you're an agent or whether you're uh, in, in going in, into entertainment law yeah. um, uh, or a stage manager or a conductor or, you know, a composer. I mean, the, you know, there's, there's, there's so many different facets and the way to do that is to, to do a lot of things. Minor wisdom.